Welcome to the All Things Protest Podcast. I'm Olivia Lynch, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Rob Snackenberg and Christian Curran. Today, we're going to cover a recent Court of Federal Claims decision taking jurisdiction over, but ultimately dismissing, a challenge to a novel Commercial Solutions Opening, or CSO, acquisition. It's an interesting case involving some critical post-protest considerations when agencies use their other transaction authority. So Rob, can you describe the type of procurement, for lack of a better word, that was at issue in this case? Broadly, what was the government seeking and under what authority? The Air Force was seeking seismic equipment for use in monitoring nuclear treaty compliance. As you noted, Olivia, the Air Force used a relatively new CSO, or Commercial Solutions Opening Acquisition. The 2017 NDAA established a CSO pilot program with an acquisition structure under which the Secretary of Defense can acquire innovative commercial items, technologies, and services. Specifically, it allows the military to acquire such items through a competitive selection of proposals resulting from a general solicitation and then peer review of such proposals. So here, the way it would work was that the Air Force outlined a CSO with a two-phase submission and evaluation process. During phase one, all interested offerors could submit quad charts and white papers. Following review of the phase one submissions, the agency would then invite selected offerors to submit full proposals. However, there was one specific deliverable here uh, that was called out in an amendment to the CSO that deviated from that two-phase proposal process. And that's actually what the protest involved. For that specific items, the amendment didn't call for white papers, but rather invited interested parties to submit a complete technical and cost proposal. There were still elements of the CSO review, however. For example, the proposals would be evaluated based on five criteria, including price, which would be evaluated by the contracting officer, as well as four other criteria, which would be conducted and evaluated by a, quote, peer and or scientific review. So I thought that COFSI held in the SpaceX decision that it generally lacks jurisdiction over OTA protests. How did the court find that it had jurisdiction here? Olivia, I can field this one. Um, I mean, you're right about SpaceX, uh, but the court here specifically distinguished the circumstances of that case. So the court explained that it does generally lack protest jurisdiction where other transaction solicitations are separate and distinct from procurement solicitations. So for example, in SpaceX, the court held that in other transaction solicitations to develop space launch infrastructure was not considered in connection with a future contemplated procurement solicitation for space launch services, right? So there was a distinction between the two there and the former didn't impact the latter. Here, though, the solicitation specifically resulted in the award of a standard IDIQ contract. The initial delivery order was also included in the opening CSO itself. So the court held that the CSO and the resulting technical evaluation were not separate and distinct from the decision to procure goods and services. And therefore, the court concluded that it had jurisdiction to review this CSO because it was, quote, in connection with the procurement. Okay, so the court found that it had jurisdiction. What did it rule on the merits? So merits is actually an interesting phrase here, as the court technically never reached the merits. Uh, Instead of producing an administrative record and filing traditional motions for judgment on the administrative record, 
which is the usual course of a court of federal claims bid protest. Here, the government moved to dismiss, uh, alleging that the protest failed to state a claim on which relief could be granted. Interesting. And have you seen such an approach as this before? So every protest is obviously different. I've certainly seen and been involved in protests uh, where there was a motion to dismiss um, and the case might have been resolved at the motion to dismiss stage. You often see that uh, sometimes with specific allegations, you know, one of uh, the allegations in a complaint might be resolved at the motion to dismiss stage. It's kind of a unique application here, though, where the arguments were pretty similar to traditional protest arguments challenging evaluation. So, you know, kind of a rare instance to see uh, dismissal rather than production of a record in this case. Okay, so what were Kinemetrics arguments and, and how did the court address them? So Kinemetrics first argument was that the Air Force considered unstated evaluation criteria. Specifically, they alleged the Air Force considered whether there was any external cost, uh, issues with respect to schedule impacts, and then issues involving supply of power and or power infrastructure. Kinemetrics said that those shouldn't have been considered under the evaluation criteria here. The government responded, though, that the solicitation stated the agency would broadly evaluate whether proposals present the best approach to meet the technology objectives at issue. And under that broad evaluation, the government argued and the court held that Kinemetrics couldn't establish that the government acted irrationally. Now, here, While the application of unstated evaluation criteria is a common and usually viable protest ground, when you have evaluation criteria that talk about broadly evaluate and best approach, you know, the government found here that it would be too much uh, for kinemetrics to prove somehow that the criteria involved went beyond that best approach consideration. So the government was allowed to consider that or at a minimum, it was not arbitrary and capricious or irrational for the government to consider that. Similarly, Kinemetric's second argument was that the agency uh, supposedly determined incorrectly that Kinemetric's equipment required an infrastructure change to connect to government power. Now, this was a highly, highly technical argument. And I don't want to say the court punted, but um, you know, essentially it did in, and it said it was going to defer to the agency. The court highlighted that the agency had conducted extensive years-long market research and again cited the peer review process conducted here that involved specialized scientific equipment and resources at a variety of locations. Uh, Put simply, the court held that it wouldn't second-guess that process and it wouldn't second-guess the agency's technical conclusions. It wouldn't revisit and reassess those years of agency technical analyses. And since that would have been required uh, in order for Kinemetrics to succeed, the court held that, again, Kinemetrics failed to state a claim upon which relief could be granted. So another issue here um, was that the contract awardee intervened and challenged Kinemetrics' standing. Uh, How did the court address that? That's a good question, Olivia. Intervener argued that Kinemetrics lacked standing because This was not like a, quote, traditional competitive acquisition, end quote, where there was competition amongst the offerors for the award of a single contract and comparison of the offerors to get there. And Intervenor argued that the CSO at issue most resembled some sort of broad agency announcement. In addition, Intervenor argued that because multiple awardees were permitted, this also 
divested kinematrics of standing. And the court, I think, rightfully rejected all of these arguments. First, the, the court found that regardless of whether there was comparison or competition between the offerors, Kinematrix submitted a proposal that was evaluated to be technically sufficient and then rejected because the government determined that Kinematrix proposed certain power draw requirements that were too high. So as the court reasoned, but for the government's evaluation of the power requirements, Kinematrix had a substantial chance of winning the contract. And that's really where the analysis stops and starts. It doesn't have anything to do with there being multiple awardees or anything like that. I mean, they, they didn't get a contract, and but for the error, they would have had a substantial chance to get it. So I think the court rightfully put down that challenge to standing here as kinematrics did meet the but for substantial chance test there. Got it. So Rob, what's the key takeaway here? So Olivia, I think we have a few takeaways here. You know, one is just first and foremost, this is another example of the court willing to exercise some jurisdiction over OTA protests. So, you know, even though they're not procurement uh, contracts um, generally or frequently, there are many different varieties of OTAs and where the award is is essentially, you know, not separate and distinct from a procurement, the court may take jurisdiction as here. You know, another takeaway is, is really this interesting procedural approach that the court applied. And, you know, I, I joked before that um, the court considered the merits and is the merits even an appropriate term? You know, it's worth noting here that the parties gave consent uh, for the case to be addressed in this way. And while there was not an administrative record filed, the parties attached voluminous materials to their briefing. So the court did have a factual basis to assess these issues. Thanks, Robin Christian. Uh, and for our listeners, until next time, thanks for listening. The All Things Protest podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. You can find more information at kroll.com slash allthingsprotest.